Today's reading is Mark chapter 9. Uh, in many respects, this chapter is curious to me. Uh, if you've already read it, and I hope you have, you may know what I mean when I say that. There are several curious events mentioned as well as curious statements by Jesus himself. For example, why couldn't Jesus cast out the demon in verse 18? Was Jesus saying in verse 29 that casting out some demons requires prayer and others don't? Who was the person who was not not part of the 12 who in verse 38 uh, was successfully casting out demons? What in the world does Jesus mean with all the talk about salt in verses 49 and 50? I just curiosities abound in this chapter. Questions abound. Because of this, however, the this is the kind of chapter where you can easily lose sight of the forest because of all of the trees. Uh, so in, in, in our thinking through it today, some of those questions might be addressed. Some may not because we're mainly going to stay focused on the big picture of Mark chapter 9. Let's think first about bookends. Bookends. The bookends of this chapter, uh, to me, are significant. The beginning and ending of this chapter stand in stark contrast. The chapter begins with a scene of eternal glory, the transfiguration. Uh, Jesus' prophecy in verse 1 is fulfilled in the transfiguration of verses 2 through 8, just as in Matthew and in Luke. That's the beginning of the chapter, eternal glory. But the chapter ends with a scene of eternal horror, quoting Isaiah in verse 48, referring to the eternal punishment of hell. It appears that all the events in between lead up to Jesus' exhortations beginning in verse 42, which warn us against the, the horror and urge us toward the glory. In other words, in the beginning we are presented with a picture of the glory of heaven, and at the end we're presented with a picture of the horror of hell. Both places are very real, and there are paths of life that lead to each. Everything in this chapter between the, these bookends is meant to illustrate these divergent paths and urge us on to the path of glory. Next, let's think about feeble faith. Mark continues to give us pictures of feeble faith, even among and especially among his own disciples. It appears that faith is really there at some level, but they're, they're, they're simply not fully grasping everything that's going on. For example, in the midst of the transfiguration, which we've thought some about, Already, Peter, who just acknowledged Jesus to be the Christ in the last chapter, chapter 8, verse 29, seems to know something significant is happen, happening, uh, you think? <laughs> As usual, he speaks, he speaks up to say something in verse 5, but, but then Mark adds that, verse 6, he did not know what to say. Note to self, when you don't know what to say, a good rule of thumb is don't say anything. Nevertheless, Peter felt the significance of the moment at some level, and he spoke up, but he didn't fully understand. Feeble faith. Also in verse 9, Jesus makes reference to his forthcoming resurrection, but yet, yet the disciples kept, in verse 10, questioning uh, what this rising from the dead might mean. Feeble faith. Later, when a father brought his uh, demon-possessed son forward for healing, Jesus' disciples, in verse 18, were not able to cast out the unclean spirit apparently because they were not depending prayerfully on the Lord for the ability. Verse 29, feeble faith. When the father turned to Jesus to heal his son, the man cried out, I believe, 
Help my unbelief. Verse 25, feeble faith. And for a second time, Jesus predicts his impending suffering and death. But his disciples, verse 32, quote, did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Feeble faith. It's all over the chapter. We know that we will experience the glory of eternal life, quote, by faith and not of works. But the reality is our faith is often so feeble. Thankfully, the Lord doesn't require of us perfect faith. In Christ, we are forgiven, but even then we are still beset by indwelling sin, and so our faith will always be perfect, imperfect and tainted by sin. Thankfully, Jesus died and rose again to forgive the imperfections even of our faith. We're not saved by faith. We're saved through faith and feeble faith at that. That being said, we shouldn't be content with feeble faith as the remainder of this chapter will make clear. I mean, even the, the man uh, in verse 25 said, I do believe, help my unbelief. That should always be our uh, desire as well. But let's think, too, about the, 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 the fruit of feeble faith. Um, the fruit of feeble faith. The feeble and immature faith of these disciples reveals itself through their actions in this chapter. We've already mentioned the fact that they were unable to cast out a demon in verse 18. They didn't understand why. And Jesus' answer to them in verse 32 insinuates that they perhaps had been trying to cast out the demon in their own power instead of relying on God's power through prayer. They taught, thought too highly of themselves and of their own ability. Later in the chapter, we find them argue, arguing over which of them was the greatest and which one of, uh, of them would occupy the highest place of honor in the kingdom, verses 33 and 34. Uh, it's hard to imagine what that conversation must have sounded like. No, I will be the greatest, and here are all the reasons why. Um, and no, there's no doubt that they didn't want to tell Jesus uh, what they were talking about in verse 34. Uh, but finally, when the, the disciples spotted someone else successfully casting out demons in Jesus' name, they had the audacity to try to stop him in verse 38. What reason do they give? Verse 38, because he's not following us. Wow. Not that he was not following Christ, which apparently he was, but that he wasn't following them. Jesus had told them in the last chapter that following him meant first denying yourself. And Jesus had told them in this very chapter that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all, verse 36. Their immature faith um, at this point made them care more about their own glory than the Lord's and produced in them a pride and, and selfish ambition. Jesus would have some serious words for them before the end of the chapter. Fighting the good fight of faith is the last thing I want to think about in Mark 9. In the last section of this chapter, verses 42 through 50, Jesus talks very frankly with his disciples about the seriousness of sin and the fight uh, anyone who desire, desires to follow him must fight against it. Now, while Jesus does talk frankly with them, he obviously does not speak literally, as if to be advocating bodily mutilation. Using graphically figurative language, Jesus calls his disciples and us, if we claim to be his followers, to an all-out assault on indwelling sin. Whatever is causing us to stumble and fall into sin, root out the cause and kill it. The assumption here is that if we're not serious about overcoming sin in our lives, then we're not serious about following Christ. The Apostle Paul said it best when he said that if you follow Christ, then in Romans 6, 11, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. In reality, 
James says in James 3, 2, we will still uh, all stumble in many ways. And we will sin all our earthly days until we see the Lord face to face. Also, 1 John 1, 8. But while that is true, those who have the life of the Spirit of God within them are never comfortable in justifying their sin and remaining in it. That's, this is why in one of the last letters of his life, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 12, to fight the good fight of the faith. He didn't, he didn't enjoy uh, coasting and leisurely ride uh, the ride of faith. He said, fight. That's the image Jesus is here giving to his disciples in the final paragraph of Mark chapter 9. He's essentially telling them to, to stop all the nonsensical bickering about who is greater and stop all the childish jealousy about what the Lord chooses to do through somebody else. That, man, that's a word for us today. Stop the nonsense. We need to be at peace with one another, verse 50, and get busy following hard after Christ and dealing with our own sins and our own shortcomings that threaten our souls and walk with Christ. So that is a word for us today from Mark chapter 9.